If you have your Bible, I would like you to open with me to the Gospel according to Luke. If you would, we'll be in Luke chapter 6, and we will start in verse 39. Luke chapter 6, verse 39. And uh, Jesus, just kind of give you a frame of reference as a reminder, He is nearing the end of His Sermon on the Plain, which we've looked at the last few weeks. And so we're, we're going to be talking about that, and then... Um, we get a little section where Jesus talks about the wise and the foolish man and how uh, the wise man builds his house on his teaching, on Jesus' teaching. He's like the man that builds his house on the rock and so forth. And then we get back into some incidents in the life of Christ where he does some, uh, some miracles and things like that. But today he's going to do what you might call some mini parables. Okay, so he's going to give us some little teachings here, this uh, one right after another. There, there are three of them to be exact. And, and they're word pictures, both to caution us and also to encourage us. And today he's going to tell us to uh, be on the lookout for blind guides and to not be blind eye surgeons. So if you found Luke chapter 6 and you're able, I'd like you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. And we'll pick up in verse 39. It says, and he, and he also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will, he not, will they not both fall into a pit? A pupil is not above its teacher, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take, the speck that is, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take out the log of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Thank you. You may be seated. Now the first thing that I want you to see in our text today is, is that we need to beware of blind guides. Beware of blind guys. Now, if, if you look again at verse 39, uh, it, G- Jesus tells them a parable. Now, what is a parable? Well, somebody has defined a parable as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. meaning. And, and basically what a parable is, is it will take something that's unknown, that's unfamiliar, and it will lay down beside it something that is known and is familiar, and say these two things are similar to each other, this is like that, and, 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 and this familiar thing will help us to understand the unfamiliar thing. It'll help us to understand the, understand the thing that's not known very well. So, for instance, uh, Jesus told a story in one, one time about a sower. And he said a sower went out to sow, and he sowed the seed, and it landed on different types of soil, and so forth. And he said, the sower sows the Word of God. And so the seed is the Word of God. And, and, and just like the, the seed falls on different soils and the soils are different, so they have different uh, amounts of produce. Likewise, when, when we go out and we spread the Word of God, when we teach and when we preach and we do all these things, people are not going to respond the same way because the condition of the heart is different. So he gives us a picture, something that's familiar, and it helps us understand that which is not familiar. Another time he tells us a story about a man who is traveling, and he's attacked, and he's beaten, and he's robbed, and he's left on the roadside for dead. And you remember the story? A couple of, of religious people come along, and they don't help him out. But then this outcast comes along, and he helps him. He, he bandages his wounds, and so on and so forth. And Jesus uses that to teach us what it is to be a neighbor. 
And so what Jesus does is he gives us something that's unfamiliar along with something that is familiar to help us understand what he's trying to communicate. So in our text, if you look at verse 39, Jesus uses what appears to be a common saying at the time, something that's used in popular culture. And he says, a blind man cannot lead a blind man, can he? And the expected answer to that is no, of course not. Because what happens if he does? Well, both of them are going to fall into a pit. If you go out and, and, you, and you close your eyes and you got a hold of somebody else that's got their eyes closed, you never know where you're going to end up. If you're out here walking in the parking lot, you may end up out in the road. You may end up running into the fence. You never know what, where you're going to go. And, and, and it's like that in spiritual matters. Because remember, he is giving directions for discipleship in this text. And, and so just from a 30,000-foot view, I want you to see that the discipleship, first off, is assumed by Jesus. Discipleship is assumed by Jesus. Now, somebody has said there's no such thing as secret discipleship. Either the secret will destroy the discipleship or the discipleship will destroy the secret. And Jesus is saying, if you are going to be a follower of his, if you're going to be a Christian, it's expected that you're going to be a disciple. Now, this runs counter to what we have in much of American Christianity, which thinks that you can just, you know, just, just tip your hat to Jesus and say, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll call myself a Christian, I'll walk the aisle, I'll shake the preacher's hand, maybe get baptized, and so on and so forth, and then I'll just go out and live any old way that I want, and not, not give a second thought to living a godly life. Jesus says, no, there's, there, there's nothing like that. He calls us to, he requires discipleship. He, do, he calls us and requires us to be followers of his. And that's what a disciple is. It is a learner. And so Jesus assumes the discipleship, and second, and closely related to that, is the idea of Lone Ranger Christianity is not biblical. Lone Ranger Christianity is not biblical Christianity. Now again, the underlying assumption behind Jesus' words is that we will be interacting with other people regarding our faith. We will be interacting with other people regarding our faith. See, this idea that, that, that a person can never darken the, the church door, that you can forego worshiping with, with other believers. I, I've heard people say, well, uh, what, what church do you go to? Well, I go to Bedside Baptist, or, or I, I, go to, I, I worship God by sitting in a, a, a fishing boat, or I, I worship God by sitting in a deer stand, or, or whatever it is. And they say, well, you know, the church, is, it's, it's, it's the people, it's not a building. And so I don't have to go to church in order to be a Christian, I don't have to be around other Christians worshiping corporately and, and so on and so forth. Listen, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, right? I mean, uh, I, I did keep my Western straight, right? Yeah, I, I think so. So anyway, the, the, the point is, the point is, regardless of whether or not Tonto's in the picture, we look at the, we look at the Bible and the Bible says that, that we are the body of Christ. And the body doesn't work right if part of it is is absent and so so jesus assumes the discipleship he expects us to be interacting with one another in regards to our faith but specifically and this seems to be what jesus is getting at given the context we need to be careful on both sides of the discipleship uh i don't even know what you call it the, the discipleship relationship i guess you'd say men young men you need to have a man in your life that you can go to, that you can look to, that can, that can be a truth-teller in your life. You know, sometimes we need, sometimes don't we need somebody to just kind of kick us in the pants and say, 
buddy, you need, to, you need to straighten it up. You need to figure out what's going on because what you're doing isn't right. So sometimes we need that, guys. Women, young ladies, you need a woman that will do the same thing to you. You need somebody that will be a truth teller, somebody who, will, who can help you out in different areas of your life. That is discipleship because disciples make disciples. And here's what Jesus is getting at. You need to work with somebody who doesn't have the same areas of blindness that you have. Because if you are blind to a certain area and you have an area of weakness and you follow along, you, you work with somebody that has the same area of weakness, guess what? You're going to walk off in the same pit. You need to work with somebody who doesn't have that same area of weakness. So if you want to know how to handle money God's way, you don't take advice from somebody who doesn't honor God with their wealth at all. If you want marriage advice, you don't go to somebody whose marriage is in shambles. If, if you want to know how to study the Bible, you don't, you don't get discipled by somebody who doesn't read the Bible. Now, you say, Pastor, I get it. Where can I find this perfect person? Perfection is not the requirement. Because you're not going to find anybody who has it all together. There's only one person that had it all together, and, and that's Jesus. He's the one we're ultimately a disciple of. And you're not even going to find a person that, ha- that is perfect in one area, even one area. But, but, but what I'm saying is we need to be sure that we don't find somebody that has the same area of blindness or weakness that we have. Because if we do, just like Jesus said, we'll fall off in a pit along with them. Now, just so you don't miss what he's saying, he also gives us a picture of a pupil and a teacher. And he says a pupil, a learner, is going to be like his teacher. The goal of discipleship is to mentor others to be like Jesus. And when we do that, people end up, if, if you are the teacher, people end up kind of taking on those same things that you take on. If you've ever done martial arts, you know that not every black belt, if, if you have black belts around, not every black belt does the same move or the same technique the exact same way because everybody's a little bit different. And what happens is in martial arts, the person that gets trained under person A, black belt A, will end up learning things their way. And there's some other black belt that does things a little bit differently. And the people that learn from them are going to do that same technique that way. Right? And, and it's like that in, in our Christian walk. We, when we're around somebody, when we're discipled under them and so forth, we're influenced by them. And the teacher becomes, or the pupil becomes like the teacher. And so we need to make sure that the teacher that we choose... To be discipled by, we, we, need to, we need to pay attention to who they are and, and how they're living and not get somebody that's, I mean, you're not going to go further than your teacher. And so you need to be careful of who it is that you have discipleship, uh, d- disciple you. But on the other side of that, we need to be careful of who it is and how it is that we influence. Because whether or not you have a, a, a somebody that you sit down every week with or twice a month with or whatever it is and have coffee with and say, hey, this is what's going on in my life and so on and so forth, even if you don't have a, a formal relationship like that, you influence people. And we need to be careful of how it is that we influence others. So we need to be aware of blind guides. Second, Jesus gives us a word picture, and this time he talks about blind eye surgeons. 
Don't be a blind eye surgeon. Now just think about, in the physical realm, think about being in that chair and a blind man coming at you with the scalpel to do eye surgery. That is, I mean, when you think about it, that is a terrifying thought, isn't it? And we shudder because we know what the result is going to look like when he gets done. It ain't going to be pretty. And Jesus uses that as a picture or, or something similar to that. And he says, he says, there are people out there who are real quick to point out the speck in somebody's eye. Now, a speck is like a, a little flake of sawdust. Okay? In other words, they're quick to identify what you might call some, quote, minor sin, if we can use that terminology. But at the same time, Jesus says, not only do they do that, but they have a beam or a moat or a log in their own eye. In other words, they have bigger sin issues themselves that they need to deal with. Now, given the context, it seems that Jesus probably has in mind people who want to focus on the minutia of religion, and yet at the same time they've, they've forsaken the, the discipleship items he's talked about with, with loving neighbor and not being judgmental and, and, and things like that. And he says that the people like that are hypocrites. That word means an actor. They're fake. They're counterfeit. They, 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 they want to point out everybody else's problems. They act holy. They act like they've got it all together. But the truth is they have a beam, a log in their own eye. And notice Jesus does not say that the speck is unimportant. Nor does he say that a person should not help his brother remove that speck. Quite to the contrary, if you'll notice what he says. He says, first... Take care of the, the, the moat, the beam, the log. Take care of that first. And then, once you recognize your own sin issues, once you've dealt with them, then help out your brother. Then you help out your brother. And when we do that, among other things, it will cause us to be a lot more light and a lot less heat. Because when we realize that uh, we, we've fallen in this area, that we have this besetting sin in this area when when we realize how much grace we need from god then when we interact with somebody else when we 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 try to help them out when we have that tough conversation with them we're going to be a lot more humble because we remember how much god has has forgiven us how many times we've fallen and asked god to forgive us galatians 6 1 says brethren if anyone is caught in any trespass you who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, and that's part of what, what happens when we deal with our own sin. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. So he says, beware blind guides, don't be a blind eye surgeon. And finally, he says that we need to be careful fruit inspectors. We need to be careful fruit inspectors. Now, he, he closes with this, this image, this word picture of fruit and trees. And what he, what he says here is really a summary of all that he has gotten through saying in the Sermon on the Plain. But I want to focus on just how it relates to what he's just gotten through uh, saying here. He says a good tree is going to bear good fruit, and a bad tree will bear bad fruit. In other words, a person can pretend to be a certain way for a long time, but eventually... Their true character is going to be shown because the tree is going to bear fruit. 
we, we have that saying, the proof is in the pudding. The proof's in the fruit. The proof is in the fruit. Through time, a Christian, a follower of Christ, will bear good fruit. That is not saying a Christian through time is going to be perfect. Because what we should do is we should inspect fruit. We should, we, we should look at the lives of other people, those who are having disciple us and so on and so forth. But we also need to take a look at our own life and say, what kind of fruit am I bearing? And when we do that, it can be discouraging because we know that we've been a Christian maybe for five years or ten years or fifty years or whatever it is. And say, by now, I should be doing a lot better than what I'm doing. And that's probably true. But you're not going to be perfect. Sometimes in some seasons of life, it's like we take one step forward and 15 steps back, isn't it? I mean, we, we go forward and then it seems like we, we have all these times where we mess up and, and we, we shoot off at the mouth and we do this, we do that. And, and, and we go forward a little bit and then we're back and forth and back and forth and it's frustrating. And we still wrestle with that, the flesh. Paul talked about, I think it's in Romans 7, he said, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. He says, who can, who can liberate me, free me from this body of death? And we, we, can, we can identify with that. And Jesus is saying here, the, the, the Christian, over time, is going to bear good fruit. You're not going to be perfect. Not every, if you've ever gone to the orchard... Not every apple you pick is a good one, is it? Not every bit of fruit that you have on the tree is going to be a, a, a pristine, pristine piece of fruit. But over time, the general tenor of your life is you're going to bear good fruit. It'll come out of the things that we do, but also, as, as Jesus talks about specifically, the things that we say. The things that we do, but also the things that we say. It's not just good deeds. He talks about saying the right things. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, those things that are most often on our lips are what's in the heart. If your speech is characterized by, by filthy language and profanities and, and whatever it is, that shows what's in the heart. A while back I went to a, a fast food establishment in, at uh, uh, Springfield and I'll not mention the chain to save the guilty but as I was sitting there eating um, my ears were assaulted so to speak um, there were the workers man they were they, they had some colorful language I'll put it that way and it wasn't like oh I stuck my hand in the fryer and you know some kind of expletive I mean it was just they, they need a bigger vocabulary and I mean, it, it was, it was all, the, all the words. And I wasn't at the counter listening in. I was out in the, out in the seating area eating, and they're back in the back, and I could still hear them. And as I sat there and reflecting on that and, and all this, I realized there's one, one thing I never thought that whole time. As they were dropping the F-bomb, I didn't think, you know what? I wonder what church they go to. I bet that old boy is a Christian. I bet that she is a, a saint of God. Listen to that good speech. Never once thought that. You know why? Because the Bible says that, that, that coarse jesting, filthy language, stuff like that, shouldn't be, shouldn't be coming out of a Christian's mouth. And 
And listen, full full disclosure, when I was when I was younger, back in high school and stuff, that was the kind of language I used. I mean, it was bad. But you know what? I wasn't right for doing it. I, I shouldn't have done it. And the Bible says that, that coarse jesting and, and, and stuff like that, we as Christians shouldn't be talking like that. And, and what Jesus says here is what's in the well is going to come up in the bucket. We need to have clean speech. To use his imagery, what, what's going on with the root is going to come out in the fruit. It's not just our words, it's also our deeds. If I want strawberries, I don't go to the apple tree to try and get them. Right? If I, if I want peaches, I don't go looking on a lime tree to pick them. And when we interact with others, we need to examine, I mean, we, we need to pay attention to what's going on, what's coming out of their mouths, what's coming out of their lives before we let them disciple us. But as I said, we need to look to our own lives first, and this goes back to being the blind eye surgeon. We need to look to our own lives first and say, before I start casting the stone at them, before I start going to them and saying, here's what you need to change, brother or sister, say, what do I need to change? Because we all bear some bad fruit every once in a while. And, and I just wonder, as, as we seek to apply all this to our lives, if somebody watched the things that you did, would they say, that person's a Christian? If they listened to the things that you said, would they say, that person's a Christian? As they watch you interact with, with friends and, and, and relatives, family members, people at work, are they going to see good fruit or bad fruit? Again, we, we, we don't know anybody's heart, but we can be a fruit inspector. And our job is not to set ourselves up as the fruit inspector and say, you all need to come to me and I'll tell you what's going on in your lives. I'll tell you how to fix it. No, we need to make sure that we got the beam out of our own eye first before we ever start talking to anybody else about anything that they have in their lives. When we act like those blind eye surgeons, Jesus says you're a hypocrite. You're a fake. You're an actor. You're pretending. And there may be an area that, that, that you need to work on. Maybe it's, maybe it's the things that you're doing, the things that you're saying. Maybe it's just this area of discipleship in general. Maybe you don't have somebody in your life that, that you can turn to and you can say, Hey, I'm struggling in this area. Will you help hold me accountable? I'm struggling in this area. I, I, I see that this is a strength in your life. It's not in mine. Can you give me any thoughts, any direction? What, what, do you see anything in my life that, that, that maybe lead me off in this way? Again, that's, that's just discipleship, kind of 101. Now, the, the, the ultimate person that we're a disciple of is not a person that we, we have in front of us, it's Jesus. But as we, as we learn from those people who are following Jesus better than us, then we become better followers of Christ. And so Jesus says, be a disciple. We all need people in our lives that will be truth tellers. They'll help us. You know what? We're all in this together. We're all on the same road. We're all trying to find the best way to follow Jesus in our own lives. 
Now, I'm speaking to Christians. I'm not talking about the person who doesn't have a relationship with God through Christ. Because the Bible says that that person is, they're separated from God because of their sin. And that's the state of each of us apart from Christ. We are lost. We are separated from God. Our sin has offended God, and it deserves judgment. But the good news of the gospel is that judgment that we deserve, rightfully so, because of our offense, our sin against God, Jesus took the penalty of, of, of all those who put their faith in Christ. He took that penalty on himself, and he bore the burden. He paid the price. And the Bible says that if anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. And if you have never done that, I call on you to do that today. Before you leave, become a follower of Christ. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just want to I just want to give you this opportunity to, to mull over those things that Jesus has said. Again, we are not called to be the chief fruit inspector, that everybody is accountable to us. In fact, before we ever start talking to anybody else about their fruit, we need to look at our fruit. And when we do, we realize, well, we don't have we don't have a whole lot of room to, to talk, do we? We realize that our sin is maybe different from their sin, but it's still sin. Cause us to be a lot less judgmental. Man, do you have somebody in your life that you look to, that you feel that you can go to, they can give you a word of encouragement, maybe a, a word of advice? Women, do you have a, a, a woman in your life that'll do the same? Heavenly Father, as we uh, think about the things that Jesus says, man, it's, it, it really is not comfortable. Because we know how short we fall. We know our own hearts. We know those things that nobody else knows about. Those attitudes, those thoughts. The things that we want to say but we don't. And so many times we wrestle with, with those weaknesses, with that flesh, that same besetting sin. But we know that you are... All, from, all too familiar with it. You know all about it, and you knew that 
when you went to the cross. When, when, when Christ went to the cross, even before we were ever born, you sent your son to die in our place. And God, we thank you for that. We thank you that, that you've shown your love to us when we don't deserve it. And God, I pray that you'd help each of us as we uh, look at the fruit in our own lives to be diligent, to put forth the effort to bear good fruit. And in those times of discouragement, when we look at how far, how far we are falling short of where we think we should be, Lord, we thank you that we can look back and see that we're, while we're not where we ought to be, we're not where we used to be. And we thank you that that is uh, a sign of, of life within us, your life. And God, if there's somebody here who's never accepted Christ as their Savior, I pray that you would uh, draw them today and let them become um, a follower of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.